Hello, person, and welcome to Anthem of Life. I'm your host, Douglas Serine. The vast majority of my interviews are recorded on the terra firma of good old Mother Earth. But this episode was recorded in midair above Central Park in New York City. Thankfully, I was in the capable hands of hot air balloonist Arthur. Enjoy. So, Arthur, we're 3,000 feet up right yeah. now. This is uh, the lower stratosphere, and this is just my favorite vantage point for, for exploring New York City. I mean, the, the view just does not get better. And it's a clear day. I can see all the way to Brooklyn from here. I know. you. I like to say when you're 3,000 feet above ground level, that's the only time you're going to see all five boroughs. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's probably true. I mean, you see them when you're coming in on, on airplanes, but I think plane travel is cheating, don't you? Well, I have to admit, I, I do participate in, in plane travel. But the key difference that I'm noticing is it is peaceful. It is it is almost oh, unnervingly quiet up here. And help yourself to anything in that picnic basket. We've oh. got sandwiches. We've got some baguettes. We have a variety of cheeses. I want to talk a little bit about just kind of how I, I found you. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw the a pamphlet for To the Moon, yes. which seems to be a group of hot air balloonists. Yeah, or... ba balloonists. That's the correct term. Yeah, we're we're all uh, balloon enthusiasts, and we are in a cooperative where we pay a monthly sum to have access to a fleet of hot air balloons that are, you know, stored in Central Park uh, right by Strawberry Fields. Everyone always thinks, oh, God, you must need like a silo or a, uh, a warehouse to Sure. It's like a small shed because you're really just keeping the basket and then the air tanks and then the uh, the balloon, which you, you fold up. Oh, right. I, I get the balloon obviously gets a, a lot smaller. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> My mother used to say a balloon is big in the sky, but small in the shed. That's one of those wise adages that can apply to so many different oh. parts of life. Whenever I've had a little disappointment, mm -hmm. I always have to say to myself, you know, Art, balloons are big in the sky, but small in the shed. And right now you're small in the shed. But when you get out into the sky, you're going to get big. You're going to be big in the sky. Yeah. I think so many of us spend our lives confined in the sheds. And I'm not speaking of a literal shed. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking of a, a metaphorical storage facility yeah. where we're, we're storing ourselves. We're not using ourselves. This is making me think, Arthur, that maybe the reason why you have these perspectives is because you spend time up here. You have a different point of view than anyone else in the world. Think about the number of people in New York City. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it, 500,000? They all spend their time all on the ground. Yeah, yeah. The highest they get is when they go up in a building. Yeah. You're going to see things. You're going to think things that the average person is not going to. Yeah, they're crammed in little subway cars 
And, I, you know, I have seen amazing things from up here. Oh, ooh, I'm so interested in the things that you've seen mm -hmm. uh, oh, up here. I've seen proposals. Happen in your basket? I did have a proposal occur in my basket. Hey. Yeah, yeah, my cousin Lionel was up with me with his then boyfriend, now husband, Edgar. And, and I thought we were just going to do a simple, you know, two-hour trip around the city. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Lionel had been acting very curious all day. Like he had not been present emotionally um, when we were at our matinee of Hello, Dolly. And who doesn't get pulled into Hello, Dolly? I mean, that show demands you pay attention. If you're not fully present during a performance of Hello, Dolly, I think you are on life support. So so Lionel's up there and, you know, and I'm pointing out like, oh, Lionel, that's the Dakota. Oh, Lionel, that area over there is Bushwick. Oh, Lionel, that's where the taking of Pelham 123 was filmed. Mm -hmm. and, and Lionel is just glazed over like his eyes were donuts and the sun has just dipped below the uh, horizon. So we have mm -hmm. all of this wonderful Manhattan golden light. I can imagine how beautiful that yeah. is. And just at that moment... Lionel is on his knee and he says, Edgar, will you marry me? I almost think it's a little dangerous to surprise someone in a hot air balloon. It seems like it, it's the type of place where I want everyone to know exactly what's happening at all times because I don't want anybody to fall out of a hot yeah. air balloon. Well, Douglas, I cannot tell you how many other HABs, and again, that's an acronym for hot air balloonists, mm -hmm. have reported that proposals that take place in their balloons have unfortunate ends. Oh. Because the, the person is, is taken unawares and, you know, and maybe arches their back in surprise. It just gives their skull some momentum that lifts their ankles off the ground and their knees up into their chest and then they're tumbling out down into yeah. the ground below. And, you know, 3,000 feet... You're probably not going to die, but you will get you will get cut up. What's the percentage, would you say, of hot air balloon proposals that end up in someone falling out of the hot air balloon? Oh, I would say about 76 percent. Fall out? Yeah. That yeah. was – they do a data survey every March. And so we get pretty current statistics about um, – What's falling in and out of a exactly. hot air balloon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, you always think of falling out of a balloon, but you always forget about the things that can fall into a balloon. Yeah, like – Maybe a bird hits the envelope and slides down yeah, or something. Yeah, or like someone is hang gliding and they, mm. they drop a Pepsi bottle. Is in it my... me or do all hang gliders drink Pepsi? I mean, I'm a Coke man myself, yes. but hang gliders, it just seems like they're sponsored by them or something. And that's the dirty little secret in the hang gliding community. Oh, just the billions of dollars that the PepsiCo Foundation has poured into the hang gliding industry. Yeah. It's a, it's a North Carolina thing because it's Kitty Hawk and yes. everybody is so into hand gliding yeah. in North Carolina. I'm old enough to remember when when my mother and her friends were hand gliding mm -hmm. back in the in the 80s, they were they were drinking nothing but Coca-Cola. Oh, so there was a there was a shift there. Yeah. Now, why don't you think you went into hand gliding? Why why do you think you drifted towards balloons? Oh, it's a lot to think about, but you know, I think at my heart I am a rebel. You know, and so my family we were generationally hang gliders. Mm -hmm. uh, my my mother was a hang glider. My grandparents were hang gliders. Great grandparents, all the way down. And you know, and they lived all over the place. And and did they immigrate via hang gliding, or did they did? Yeah, uh -huh. from Newfoundland. Because I've heard about that. I've heard of uh, some of the closer 
uh, immigrations took place yes. via hang gliding. In the late 1880s, there were a community of, I think, Irish immigrants who had settled in Newfoundland, and they were waiting to get clearance to immigrate to the United States via Staten Island. So they were just tired of the bureaucracy and the red tape. And so they just got on their hang gliders, took a running leap and got a stiff wind. And, you know, several days later, most of them had made it to America. Wow. Yeah. That's an incredible, incredible story. Such a risk. And mm-hmm. you got to be thankful that they took that risk. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here if they hadn't. I'd have to think immigrating via hot air balloon would be kind of difficult because we seem to have only moved about. 20 feet. For emigration or immigration purposes. Either way. I'm right. using the EM and the IM mm-hmm. word. Hot air balloons are, are, are going to have their downfalls. And, mm. you know, you're going to run out of, you know, the hot air, literally. Hey, can I ask you real quick uh, yeah. about Pat and Punchy, the, the guys on the ground that follow your chase crew? Yeah. Do you always work with them? They, they just seem like, uh, are uh, they balloonists? They are, they? They are, yes, they oh. are. Yeah. So, so do you have to do chase crew duties? Yeah, we, we all take. So when Punchy's up in the balloon uh, with with his group, you know, Pat and I will be his chase crew. We'll be the, his you. chase crew. When, likewise, if Pat is up in the balloon, Punchy and I will be down. And What a wonderful community that is, it, just supporting each other like that. The, and that's balloonists in a nutshell. We are there for each other. There's no hierarchy of, oh, I'm strictly a basket boy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to be a chaser. You know, we're we're going to adapt to many roles. And I think that's a wonderful lesson that a lot of people can learn. Like, stop clinging to your roles. And we'll have fun sometimes, you know, like Punchy in particular is uh, very droll. And, you know, he'll be up there and, and you'll be, you know, chasing the balloon and, and holding on to the the lead. So Because you're in New York City. It's got to be dangerous. You don't want to fly into a building. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, a building collision would be would be would be bad news. You know, but Punchy will just he'll just play these wonderful jokes where, you know, he'll throw down like a fork, maybe um, a Miller light bottle. That may- sounds dangerous. <laughs> it's, but yeah, I think you have to be there, Douglas, because it's very funny when Punchy does it. He just has a way uh, like a book that he stopped reading. I'd, I'd be scared if I saw something dropping out of a hot air balloon. I'd let go of that lead and make a run for it. Well, and that's, you know, that's something that we had to do in level four balloonist mm. classes of just um, when to let go and when to hold on. If, if something falls on your head, that does not constitute a let go situation. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You, you really only want to let go if your hands are cramping or if you run into an old friend. <laughs> Those are both very good reasons, especially the old friend, because when you run into somebody you haven't seen in a long time, you begin to realize, when's the next time I'm going to see this person? You don't know. And like, and and I also want to give all my attention to this person and to value that relationship mm-hmm. because otherwise I'm, I'm being a little dismissive. You know what I mean? Like if I'm putting myself in that person's shoes, if I'm walking down the streets of New York and I see uh, a dear friend from camp or maybe a, someone I, I worked with for a summer, I'm like, oh, hey, Arthur. How are you doing? And that person just kind of holds up that dismissive, like, mm. index finger and, like, gestures to a balloon uh, several thousand feet in the sky. And I'm like, oh, okay. That doesn't make me feel great. Right. But if that person is like, wait a second, I'm letting go of a lead. I'm turning my whole body to you. And I'm really engaged with you, regardless of what kind of birds are flying into said balloon or 
I would feel very special. Yeah, right. That would that would make me feel special. And I just like that you, as a society, you're you're a to the moon group that you have said, you know what, etiquette is going to be in front yeah. of balloon safety. Yeah. Because it would be so easy for us to just get wrapped up in the balloon world. And I think mm. it's important to remind all of us that we also have lives. I love being up here yeah. with you. Do you usually have somebody up here with you or are you? Pat and I are in a relationship. Oh. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a little awkward because, of course, Pat and Punchy were oh, the I darlings did. of the balloonist community for, for so long. And then they, you know, decided to go their separate ways when when Punchy wrote his memoir. And, uh, and, and, you know, Pat and I had had a very close friendship for a long time that, you know, one night in the balloon, we just looked at each other and we're like, wait a second, what are we doing? And more importantly, what are we not doing by denying ourselves to being together? Wow. Yeah. There's an intensity, I have to imagine, to being alone with someone mm -hmm. with a thousand feet in the air. And... Yeah. We have, a, we have a saying, a B plus ground experience is an A plus balloon experience. Mm, okay. Everything's just a little bit better and more intense on a balloon. So you obviously can get blown off course yes. pretty easily because yeah. you don't have a steering wheel on this thing. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So where's the most interesting place that you've landed or you've gotten pushed off to or drifted off to? Oh, Westport, Connecticut. Oh, really? All the way to Connecticut? I, yeah. I mean, it's not that far, but still. But on a balloon, it's, you know, it's a, it's a slow drift on a far course. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this was, oh gosh, this was when um, the big hurricane in, in 2015. I what were you doing up in the balloon in the middle of a hurricane? Oh gosh. Well, balloonists are daredevils by nature because we're, we're getting high up in the sky. And we were sitting around uh, drinking our Coca-Cola because we are balloonists, not gliders. No, thank you, Mr. Pepsi. Pat looked at me and said, Hey, I'll give you I'll give you fifty dollars if you get up into the balloon. And I said that barometric pressure that we were already feeling. I knew that was a bad idea, but fifty dollars is a chunk of change. So I got up there and I said, "You have yourself a bet, Patrick." He had just broken up with Punchy because you know of of the memoir and what Punchy wrote. We both got into the balloon since Punchy was on book tour because of the memoir. And so we didn't have anyone to uh, to guide us. No chase crew. No chase crew. And so all of a sudden, we're like, what the H have we done? Because we're getting buffeted around by all these winds that the rain is just little razor blades against our cheeks. And, and you know, the birds are screaming in agony to, for us to get out of the way. The the lightning is crashing, and you know uh, we're and we're trying our best to you know to get higher and lower to escape the st storm system. And you know, three hours later, we wake up in a field in Westport, Connecticut, in each other's arms. That is. Adorable, romantic, and terrifying. Yeah, all yeah. at the same time. Yeah, that's that's why I have that scar on my neck. Oh, I did notice that. I'm not going to comment on someone's scar. You're so polite. You're, well, because you don't. You're like, oh, this could have been a goiter removal. This could have been, you know, a, a larger mole. But no, it was a uh, house finch got rocketed into my neck. And mm. um, oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, I can see the beak. Yes. The yeah. Beak line there. Yeah, and that's 
pretty close to your jugular. So, oh I... my gosh, the attending physician had said if it was if the bird had hit me a millimeter to my left, I would be dead. Wow. I mean, it it keeps me up at night. So, could Arthur write a memoir? Do you feel like you got good perspective over your life? Harper Collins is releasing my memoir next October. Wow. Uh, yeah. Now, do a lot of balloonists end up with memoirs? I would say about. Ooh, yeah, I think the data is 91% of all balloonists end up with memoirs. Because as you say, we we have perspective. Mm-hmm. I can I can see why. So you've got a memoir coming out. I do, I do. And I'm toying around with some titles, but it's, you know, it's about growing up in a hang gliding family and how that, you know, was wonderful in many ways, but really kind of hedged me in in a lot of others. And uh, Put you and, in the shed. Oh, you know, I I did not think about it that way. I'm just, I'm using your metaphor. Oh from my earlier. goodness, I, that's that's your metaphor. I give oh you credit goodness. for that one. I'm going to need to reflect on this. Thank you, Douglas. Uh, yeah, because my mother was so wonderful in so many ways of like encouraging me to hang glide and and follow my 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 love of of the air. But you know, she she and my father were very very dismissive about about the hot air balloons because you know they were like, well, it's it's so slow. It's ungainly. It's unpredictable. Uh, it doesn't require athleticism uh, or core strength. It's environmentally unfriendly. It's architecturally unsound in terms of the harm it causes buildings. But I just, I just saw my first balloon, and I knew I needed to get in it. Wow. Yeah. What What do you think it was about that balloon that that really drew you to it? I think. Growing up in that hang gliding community where it was expected, you would get your glider out every Saturday. And, you know, I just remember tears streaming down my cheeks when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16. A as, tough age, a tough age. Yes. as I mean, you never want to go through puberty on a hang glider. But, you know, my mother was a workhorse. She said she would drive us to that cliff and she would have all four of us, you know, tumble out of the, the caravan and we'd strap our gliders on and, you know, we'd run pell-mell to the edge and, and just have to take off regardless of whether we wanted to or not or you know, how tired we were. That sounds dangerous. I don't know that you want to be hang gliding tired or well, sleep deprived. Uh, yeah. Well, my mother is, um, she is a, she's a general, you know, she is the kind of person that will throw a two-year-old into the deep end of a pool, then light a Virginia Slim, turn around and say, swim class starts now. Do you still have a healthy relationship with her, would you say? Or Well, I think the fun thing is when you have and this is no pun intended, but when you've reached the heights that I have in the ballooning community, you don't just earn your parents' respect. You command it. You know, I've Ooh, I've nice. been, you know, I'm on a T-shirt. And this is the kind of T-shirt you can wear it to to bed. You can wear it to the gym. You can wear it. You can dress it up with some with some nice slacks. And, oh, and I didn't make, even think about that. I bet that could dress up nicely. Yeah, put a blazer over it, and, and you could go to a wedding, or maybe not the wedding, but like the night before reception that they have for out of town guests. Arthur, yes. When you say wedding, it, uh, <laughs> what pops into my mind is <gasps> if things go further uh-huh. with Pat. Uh huh. Yeah. Do you imagine that you will? Proposed to Pat in this hot air balloon or a hot air balloon? Douglas, it is hilarious that you are asking me this because, you know, as soon as we touch down, I'm going to say to Punchy, you know, 
Pat and I are just going to do a loop around Central Park, um, and and you can go home for the night. We'll we'll pack up ourselves, and uh, I've got this that I'm going to give him. Oh, oh my goodness! I know it's a hundred percent wicker. Did you weave a ring? I. Wove? I wove a I wove yeah. I, I wove, wove a, a wing. wing I wove a ring. ring. Boy, I bet they use that on Broadway to warm up. Oh well, Christine Ebersole probably does, <laughs> and he won't be able to wear it the entire time because it's it's very bulky, mm-hmm. you know. And you would you he would probably want to put the ring on if he was walking through an unsafe area. Um, it's not brass knuckles; it's wicker knuckles, and that's another of my mother's sayings. It's not brass knuckles; it's wicker knuckles. Yeah, yeah. Again. Applicable in so many situations. Yeah. Just when you say it, it's like, oh yeah, yeah I, I, I get this. That I think Winston Churchill saw that or something. Yeah. And to oh. find out that it's it's an original from your mother. Yeah. Yeah. That's just so joyful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it's gonna hurt, but maybe not as much as actual metal would. Yeah. And that's what I was yeah. taking yeah, from yeah, it yeah, is yeah. to say you can still make your point without hurting someone severely. Yeah. It's like, oh gosh, it it rained uh, on the day of the playoffs. Well, it's not brass knuckles, but it's wicker knuckles. Boy, yeah, there's another one that, that yeah. just a, a, applies perfectly. I feel like I'm keeping you from your big moment. Oh no, Douglas, this is this has really helped ground me. You know, um, just being able to talk about this uh, um, and before such a huge undertaking, I, ugh, I need... and I feel honored that uh, you let me in on the secret. You just turn off the the gas a little bit, and we drift down. Or yeah, how does, how yeah, does and they'll and Punchy and Pat will will pull us in. I really feel like I have gained a 3,000-foot-up perspective on life. You know, and I think you've given me a 3,000-foot perspective on my own life, Douglas. I'm glad that we could provide that to each other. I can't thank you enough for this conversation. Sandbags away. Sandbags away. Thanks for listening to this episode of Anthem of Life. Our show is completely improvised and produced by me, Douglas Sarine, along with Mary Pat Farrell and Sarah Atwood Sarine. Our theme song was produced by the musicalicious Ben Wise. You can find out all about his music at benwise.bandcamp.com. Additional music provided by Icarus. A special note of gratitude to Brendan Dowling for having some fun with us as Arthur. Brendan is an actor and writer living in Los Angeles. He most recently wrote on season two of Work in Progress, and he performs with the Improvised Shakespeare Company, which has a great monthly show at the Largo in Los Angeles. And he's at Brendan Dooling with two O's on Instagram and Twitter, or now X. Inspiration for this episode came from the song Arthur's Theme by Christopher Cross and several others. The iconic line, Caught Between the Moon and New York City, was actually from a different song written years before. You can find out about that and more in this episode's liner notes, where you can also find a link to enjoy our eclectic Anthem of Life playlist on Spotify. We appreciate anything you do to amplify the anthem. One super helpful way is to take a moment right now to rate and write a review for our show on Apple Podcasts. You'll find us on Instagram at Anthem of Life Podcast. Give us a follow and let us know what you love about Arthur. Until next time, we wish you a life worth singing about. Anthem of life.